The big game is almost here. The Rams are going to the Super Bowl. For the New England Patriots, they're going to their third straight Super Bowl. And we're talking about it. We're still here. We're still here. And make no mistake about it. Got a lot of respect for the Patriots, but we're going there to get this last check. With one of the best athletes in Oregon history. I got a new boy and a James, touchdown. This is the Big Game Preview with Judah Newby and LaMichael James, live from the new Killer Burger in Cedar Hills on 1029 and 750. The Game. What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into the Big Game Preview, live from the new Killer Burger in Cedar Hills at Cedar Hills Crossing, right here on 1029 750 The Game. I'm Judah Newby. And LaMichael James, Ducks legend, former NFL running back, joining us on the game. What's up, LaMichael? What's going on? Man, it's been a busy day for you, man. It has been a busy day. How's it, uh, how's it feeling now that you've got this thing up and running for the last few weeks and it's, got, it's off the ground, you're hitting your rhythm a little bit? Yeah, it's been really good. Um, can't say enough about the Oregon community, Oregon fans, the whole state of Oregon with all the support they've given me. You know, big ups to them. Yeah, man. And is this your radio debut then? This is my radio debut. Hey. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations on that. I appreciate it. <laughs> You've been a guest on a lot of our programs before, but uh, this is your first time as a co-host, if you will, on uh, 109 750 The Game. We get to talk football for one hour with you, man. Are you ready for that? I'm definitely ready. All right. Coming up over the next hour, we will talk to about Super Bowl 53. We got the Patriots. We got the Rams live from Atlanta, Georgia, kicking off tomorrow right around 3.30 on 1029 750 the game. Pre-game coverage starting at 11 a.m. We'll have LaMichael break down that game as well. Plus, I want to talk to you about your career at the University of Oregon, how you ended up getting there from, uh, you know, East Texas, Texarkana, how Chip Kelly recruited you, landed you in Eugene, flourished you to be one of the best players in college football from 2009 to 2011 and one of the best players in Oregon Duck history. We'll also talk to you about your NFL experience sure. as well and the fact that you played in so many big games uh, with the San Francisco 49ers during their really peak runs of this century, man. You've you've seen just about all of it under the under the sun from a football standpoint. I have. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, when, when I talk about uh, your Oregon Ducks career, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, just... Chip Kelly and that offense uh, winning three, you know, Pac-10, Pac-12 conferences, you know, that stands out, three consecutive. So that's probably the biggest thing, and that was, you know, probably one of the greatest areas of, uh, you know, Oregon football, you know, to this day. Were you aware of how much of an impact that you had in Eugene while you were there playing? Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, and the fact that you, you know, you played for three years at the University of Oregon, how did you end up? as an Oregon Duck coming all the way from East Texas. That's funny. Uh, just because uh, in the beginning, you know, I think Coach Kelly gave me a call and I had an offer from Oregon. I didn't even know where Oregon was. Uh, I remember him telling me that it's below Washington next to California. I'm still like, I barely know where California is. Uh, never really left out of East Texas, you know, and everyone that comes from there usually go to OU or Texas. And 
I kind of just want to be different, you know, show kids and athletes, you know, you can go for and make something of yourself. Had you, what was the farthest west you had been before coming to Oregon? West Texas. <laughs> West Texas? <laughs> really? Just West Texas, and that was because it was a playoff game. <laughs> really? Yeah. Man, so this that must have been a completely new experience for you. People come here all the time and ask me about that. It was most definitely the biggest uh, culture shock you know, I've ever had. <laughs> did the adjustment come naturally? How long did it take for you to adjust to new culture, new school, new people, new region, new weather, right? I mean, did, did you kind of take all that in stride, or was there a growing process? Definitely a growing process. Took a couple years for me, actually. Um, definitely the best decision I've ever made, you know, just to become a man. Mm. Uh, develop, you know, uh, responsibility skills. I've never really been on my own. I never left Texas County. I've always been around family, mom, aunt, sister. So they kind of sheltered me a little bit. And going for it really helped me, you know, become a man. Now, you had a chance, though, to go to college closer to home. I mean, you had a TCU offer, right? You, you had eight schools offer you. Minnesota was, was there. Um, a lot of places much closer to your hometown than Eugene, Oregon. What was it? I mean, you, you had to have a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of uh, anxiety moving all the way from one place to the other, did you not? I did. I think at that time I really didn't understand how far Oregon really was away from Texas. <laughs> I didn't really know much. I mean, that's all I knew was Texas. And going so far away, it didn't register to me until I got there, really. <laughs> what was your first impression of Eugene? First impression of Eugene is this is a very liberal state. <laughs> it's true. How, how'd you how'd you uh, find that out? <laughs> just so loving and caring, and everybody's just accepting, you know. In Oregon and in Texas, super conser conservative, and it's not that way. So, you know, once I got here, I was like, this is kind of awesome, you know. Uh, rains a little bit, but other than that, it's pretty good. Did you? Uh, what was your first time meeting Chip Kelly? Do you remember that? First time meeting Chip Kelly would have to be uh, in Texarkana. He actually came to my house. Did he? Yeah. I think it was a culture shock for him as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd love to, you know, dip his toe into the state of Texas to pull up a running back every now and then. But he he comes in, what, uh, what when is this, January of 2008 or so? Yeah, it was January. Season was over. I, got, I think Oregon was my last offer that I got. Hmm. The yeah, last one. The last one. And what what was your first offer? First offer I got, uh, Oklahoma State. Texas gave me a deadline to go there, which they always do to everyone back then. Um, Mac Brown? Yep. Houston. I mean, mostly all the schools in the you know locally were offered me, but I didn't really fall in love with that. I think mainly because uh, most of those SEC schools were Adidas. Yeah. And, you know, being a 17-year-old kid, you don't want to wear Adidas. Really? Then. You know. So you were a Nike guy growing up even. Oh, most definitely. Really? Never wore Adidas. Wow. Yeah. So that had to have played a big role then with your decision to come to Oregon. Yeah, I, I didn't even want I told coaches that recruited me from the SEC I would not go to their school because they were Adidas. No kidding. Not kidding. Mississippi State? They, they were the ones I told. Really? Because <laughs> yeah. I was looking at, uh, I was researching some of the, you know, schools you visited. And, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but you visited Oregon and committed to Oregon within about a week. I did. Right? I but did. you still had a Mississippi State visit after you committed to Oregon, right? I took a couple after. So what would, why did you end up taking those visits? What were those visits like after you'd already verbally committed to the University of Oregon, but you still kind of had to see through that process with the other schools? 
Yeah, you do. And that's something I want to do. Just because you commit, you should also take all your visits, you know. And uh, that was real big to me, going and just enduring that atmosphere. And they're free, so why not? Yeah. 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 What was your impression of Mississippi State? Mississippi. Uh, it wasn't that far from home, so I drove. It was a lot quicker. They had two locker rooms. You know, they had good gear. It wasn't Nike or anything. Um, had good apartments. I really liked it, but I knew I needed to leave the, the uh, local area. You knew you had to leave. I knew it. But you had so much family. I know, but I need. that's why you need to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, trust me. I grew up in Oregon. I ended up uh, going to school out in Chicago and coming back because I had that, had that yeah. same feeling. I also had, you know, 10 football offers. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, you're, you're, you're not buying that. Uh, what, once you get to Eugene and you're kind of feeling it out, and what, who were some of your incoming freshman teammates? What was part of your incoming class at Oregon? Kenyon, Darren Thomas, DeWitt Stuckey was my roommate when I first got there. DeWitt Stuckey, there's a uh, name. Scott Grady, Dion Jordan, Kiko. I mean, we were all there. That's we, loaded. Yeah, we were all close, too. We were all friends. Did it uh, take a while for that friendship to mesh with those guys, or did it kind of naturally hit it off? Because a lot of those guys were out of state as well, like Kiko, and uh, I would imagine I think Dion was from the state of Florida as well. Kiko, I mean, Kiko is from Cali. Right. Dion's from Arizona. Most right. of them were from California. Yeah. I think I was the furthest one, me and Darren. You and Darren, right? So naturally we gelled quick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then you enter your freshman year, and we'll get into this a little bit in our second segment as well, but, uh, you know, where are you in the pecking order of the running back depth chart when you enter the University of Oregon? Because they already had a guy, a JUCO transfer, by the name of LeGarrette Blunt that was ready to take the load. I think when I first got there, I was a freshman, so it was Jeremiah uh, Johnson. Yeah. He was really good. And LG, Andre Crenshaw was there. Remini Austin was there. Myself. I think that was about it. Were you concerned at all about playing time early on, or were, what was your kind of you know, state of mind when you walked onto the practice field? Not at all. I just wanted to go and get better. You know, that was the whole mindset, you know, just having a – I knew it would be a learning curve for me uh, coming from Texas, you know, just adjusting, being on my own a lot. I wasn't really just thinking about football. I was trying to focus on school and adjusting to the, you know, uh, Oregon as a whole. So everything else was second, you know, when I redshirted. Do you remember some of the classes that you took at the beginning? I don't remember. I remember they were hard, though. <laughs> they were hard? Yeah. What was the hardest one? Hardest class I've taken. Statistics was definitely so hard. Stats is terrible, man. Yeah. I hated stats. Yeah. But you were able to battle your way through it? Most definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're just getting started here on our big game preview. How's it been, you know, starting it here at the Killer Burger? How did you get involved with something like the Killer Burger franchise? Actually, I was in Sherwood. Well, the, let's go back. Let's rewind. I was actually talking to Wingstop. I was going to put some Wingstops in Eugene. And, uh, that didn't really work out. It was actually, I was like in the third quarter of that. Wow. And then I wanted to kind of do something local. And Killerburg is local. You know, it was right here in Portland. I went to Sherwood. I liked the product. And then I kind of just looked up franchising. And I kind of reached out. And then all of a sudden it kind of happened. And it just took off from there. Did the people that you reached out to, did they know who you were and, and recognize the opportunity? The owner did. The people I reached out to didn't. Yeah, but it didn't matter because they put me in contact with him. See, yeah, once it once it gets up to the owner, 
yeah. you, know, you know you're probably in. Right, right. Yeah. And, this, and that's another thing, you know, with it being here. I always want to do something in Oregon. Just, you know, I live here, um, play football here. I love it here. I mean, the community's awesome here. The whole state is awesome. So doing something here was always a dream of mine. And then teaming up with Killer Burger, which is, a, you know, a known product here in the Northwest, and having that support from the corporate office, uh, if I ever got in the jam or had any questions, you know, they'll come out here and help me. So that was big to me, you know, being a new business owner and having no, you know, business background. Yeah, so how long has it been now since you started reaching out about the opportunity to this point now? It's probably been less than a year, you know. Oh, and wow. uh, It's funny that how this happened because I was actually on my way to Texas. Uh, it was like a weekend. I was going to Texas to look at some different properties where I was going to put it at because I was like, I cannot find a location here. It kept falling through. And then I got a call from my broker, like, on a Sunday, like, hey, this is what's happening. Do you want it? I'm like, most definitely. You know, I would love to be in Beaverton. And did you, were you living here already? I was already here. Man, that's nice and convenient, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're probably not too far even from this location. Just 15 minutes. Of a drive or a walk? 15-minute drive. Boom. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. We'll come right back. And uh, in segment number two, we'll talk to LaMichael a little bit more about his experience at the University of Oregon, 2009, 2010, 2011. Three of the peak years of Oregon Duck football, including an appearance in the BCS national title game and the program's first Rose Bowl victory since 1917. Michael was a big part of that. And you had a trip to New York mixed in there as well, didn't you? I did. <laughs> we'll talk more to LaMichael James on the other side. This is our big game preview with LaMichael James. I'm Judah Newby on 1029, 750 The Game, live from the Killer Burger in Cedar Hills. The Killer Burger and Cedar Hills Crossing, our big game preview. Judah Newby, LaMichael James on 1029 and 750 the game. And, uh, boy, we got a big crowd in this Killer Burger, man. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. People, people were showing up, like, right around noon and starting to pack this place out. And there's not an empty seat in the house right now. So it's a lot of fun. But if you want to uh, swing on by, if you're in the area, feel free to do so. 2905 Cedar Hills Boulevard and uh, Cedar Hills Crossing. Uh, LaMichael, we talked about you getting into Killerburger and all that good stuff. Let's start to talk football, though. Let's talk about your Oregon Duck football career, 2009 to 2011. We talked about how you arrived in Eugene. There was a little bit of a, a shock element there, right, when you got to, I mean, it's by far the most western uh, city that you had ever been to growing up. And game number one, Chip Kelly's very first game as the University of Oregon head coach, you go to Boise State playing on that blue turf. And LeGarrette Blunt, the junior college transfer, he's supposed to be toting the rock for you guys. And then he punches Byron Howe at the end of that game. And all of a sudden, you're the guy. But for, what was your experience playing that Boise State game and then when you heard about all the LeGarrette stuff right afterward? You know, I was right there when the punch actually happened. It's kind of like a surreal moment. Yeah. Even uh, playing on the blue turf, you know, I never even played in a college football game. And then you go into a hostile environment, you know, I think the stadium is only 30,000. So. It wasn't too crazy, but for me it was. And uh, the way that whole thing, you know, just unfolded and developed, it was it was kind of uh, crazy. 
You were right there when he threw it? Yeah. <laughs> Did <I> you? Never, <laughs> never forget it. <laughs> Have you ever seen a punch thrown in a football game before? Not like that. <laughs> and he had a glove on, too. So <laughs> Now, did Byron Howe deserve it is the big question. I don't know what he was saying. I don't no? actually know what he said, but I was right there when it, when it uh, unfolded. What was the conversations like right after that? And, and you realize, man, I got to be the running back on this team and take us places. Jeremiah Masoli playing quarterback. And you're at home against Purdue, I think, the very next week, right? And that's when you've, you got to make your mark. Yeah, I think after that, you know, it was kind of like a running back by committee. Um, committee. And uh, Andre Crenshaw was next up. He was a senior. Uh, me and Kenyon tried to learn a lot from him, you know, because he knew the plays. We were actually playing like um, kind of what DeAnthony played for us. Me and Kenyon was kind of arts and we were barely at running back. You know, we were smaller and got a lot of passes, and we were just playing in space. And then all of a sudden we shifted, you know, to the backfield, and we were doing running back by committee. And even playing Purdue, we didn't even know the plays. Really? Nope. How'd you, how'd you operate the offense? Well, we knew the plays from playing, like, a receiver position, but we didn't know the plays when playing the running back. We knew the right. terminology. Right. And we can look to the sideline and we can understand it. But, really, I was just listening to him say it at the line because he was calls for everything, and I understood that better than actually looking to the sideline. <laughs> no kidding. No lie. That's amazing. Now, Mark Helfrich is in his first year as offensive coordinator at that point too and mark ends up becoming the head coach later on but what was your experience like with mark helfrich as the oc uh he was great he was really a great oc but you know you have a coach like chip kelly he's he's dominant right. you know he has full control over everything and so most of the stuff was really coming from him do you remember your first oregon duck touchdown uh, i think we we're playing cal maybe <laughs> i got utah utah yeah, yes right? utah that's the first game I started. That's right. Yeah. They were ranked 18th in the country. Utah had won 16 straight games going into that game. It was the longest active win streak in the country. You guys were unranked, and you beat them 31-24. That was your first collegiate touchdown. Was that a confidence boost for you? Probably not only individually, but from a team standpoint as well, taking down a ranked power in Autzen Stadium. You know, I just looked at everybody like an opponent. I never looked at the rankings. I just looked at the color of the jerseys and played. And that wasn't a confidence booster for me or I don't think anyone else. We kind of felt like we had a good team. We really trusted Masoli. Uh, the whole little mishaps at Boise, you know, it was kind of whatever. We knew we had the back back. He still got a lot of more games left in the season. So at what point in your freshman year did you end up becoming the number one back? No question, you're the man. Definitely after Utah. Utah? Yeah. I remember it. even before we played Utah, after the Purdue game, you know, Coach Cam came to me and said, you're the man. <laughs> you know, you're starting now and uh, – we're going to see if you're durable. And I remember weighing, you know, maybe 180 pounds with pads on and just going out there and competing. And I just wanted to prove everybody that uh, I was worthy of the spot. What was the, like, workout regimen like under Chip Kelly? You know, because we, we always hear the stories of how detail-oriented he was in terms of getting his players in shape, having them stay in shape. And you have to be in shape to run the high-power offense, right? I mean, was his workout regimen also pretty crazy? I think most of that stuff came from Jimmy Radcliffe. Oh, he was the best, by far the best, uh, you know, strength and conditioning coach we've ever had. Yeah. There, yeah. He he kept everything in line, uh, treated everybody fair, and uh, it all starts in the summers too. You know, we were out there grinding it out in the summer times, and everybody was there. Everybody was held accountable and just staying in shape so you don't have to get ready. Was uh, did you have to kind of monitor 
your diet in the off season pretty strictly as well, or could you kind of let yourself go a little bit when you went home and then, you know, get back in shape when you came back to Eugene? How'd that work? Yeah, you know, nobody ever really just went home. You know, we had summer classes, so we just stayed there anyways. You know, we go to school year-round, and um, you can pretty much eat whatever you want just because you're running so much, so it really didn't even matter. What's your, uh, do you have a sweet tooth for anything? Probably burgers? <laughs> I like burgers now, but then, but then I was all about chicken. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Come on. Um, Jeremiah Masoli, your quarterback in your first year, what was it like playing with Jeremiah? It was like playing with a running back that could throw. Because yeah. that's basically what he was, man. I mean, <laughs> look up Jeremiah Masoli highlights. Half the time he's just trucking folks. I know. I used to see people trying to hit him, and it was just like, dang. <laughs> the Big two, dude. The 2009 Civil War. In fact, it's probably one of the most iconic moments in Civil War history and arguably Oregon Duck history with Jeremiah Masoli uh, trucking the Oregon State defender Lance Mitchell to end up sealing that 2009 Civil War game. How about the Civil War? What was your experience? I mean, I look at your stats from the three rivalry games against Oregon State. You ran for like 730 yards in three Civil War games, six touchdowns. You averaged six yards a carry in the Civil War. I mean, you dominated in those matchups against the Beavers. Uh, at first, I'm sure it was probably unfamiliar, that rivalry. You didn't really know much about Oregon State, you know, coming out to the back 12 But over time, did you start to appreciate the intensity of the Civil War rivalry between Oregon and Oregon State? I think more so in the beginning, just because they were actually really good. They were. No offense to any Beaver fans out there. But, <laughs> you know, in the beginning, they were playing for trips to go to, you know, to the Rose Bowl, and it was us and them, I think so, in the beginning. So those were uh, huge games for us, and they were very hostile, and they were very good games. And, uh, you know, playing against them is big for the community of Oregon, you know, or the whole state. You know, it's good bragging rights, and uh, they're just good competitive games. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, they were playing for a Rose Bowl in 2008 in that Civil War. They were playing for a Rose Bowl in 2009 in that Civil War when you guys beat them to go to the Rose Bowl yourself. And the Beavers at that time, they also had a pretty talented running back from the state of Texas yeah. named Jacquez Rogers. And I'm looking around at your Killer Burger restaurant here, LaMichael, and I'm seeing that Rogers jersey, number one in black and orange, right up here on your wall. Uh, did you get to know Jacquez at all during his time at Oregon State while you were at Oregon? I did. I knew him from Texas, him and James. Really? Yeah, they're they're phenomenal athletes, and uh, especially you know Quiz man. Watching him play uh, when I was a freshman, I was very sure and he was doing some great things. I remember watching him play against uh, USC when he was breaking some you know some big runs. And uh, in Texas, he's known for like Mr. Touchdown. You know, he had like 50 touchdowns in a season one time or something like that. Jeez. Yeah. How close were they growing up to uh, you and Texarkana? Was that the same side of the state, or how close were they? They were probably like five or six hours away. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's funny because they were also under-the-radar recruits, both of them. Yeah, but they took that program to, you know, new heights, and uh, they're really good players for them. Yeah. Uh, so 2009, you guys end up going to the Rose Bowl in your very first year as running back playing Terrell Pryor and Ohio State. It leaves a uh, bitter taste in the mouths of Duck fans even now thinking about that game and it was a close game man. even late third quarter it's a two-point game but what was it like to you know all the build-up going to the Rose Bowl after you beat the Beavers you get that month long and a lot of anticipation and then you actually get there to play in such an iconic venue and such an iconic game New Year's Day against a program like Ohio State what do you remember from that experience uh dislocating my shoulder <laughs> That would be uh, the first, a fair experience. Yeah. First series, 
first series of the game. Yeah, no one ever knew. You played through it? I came back and played through it. Yeah, but it, it hurt. How do you do? How do you play through an injury like that? That was pretty bad. Actually, after the game, it was really bad. I think I had to stay there for a couple of days because it was so much pain. You had to stay and not go home with the team? Yeah, I had to stay there. Man. Now, how? at what point? Yeah, that's early first quarter. Oh, yeah, it happened first series. First series yeah. of the game. And I remember it. LeGarrette coming in and uh, fumbling and kicking the, uh, the ball. That's right, yeah. I, rem I remember it like yesterday. Man, so that had to have been frustrating on a, a few different levels. Yeah. You know, the health and then obviously the way that the game went and the loss at the end. How yep. often does that happen, man? How often do you get banged up during a game to the point where it really is it's affecting the way that you play but you don't want to tell anybody? It probably happens every game to somebody, but you have to be mentally tough. You know, go out there and compete and uh, worry about it after the game. All right, but what? at what point do you feel like it's hindering your performance to the point where, you know, your backup might have a better chance to play better? Like, do you ever go to the coach and be like, hey, man, like, I got this injury. I just don't got it. I think, you know, I think this backup might have a better shot to perform and take the team to the next level. Do you ever? Does that thought ever cross your mind? It depends on the game, too. Uh, that, has, that hasn't happened to me. You know, right. it didn't happen to me when I was in college where I was just – in the game, and I just wasn't feeling myself, and I felt like I needed to come out. Yeah. That, you, if you, I felt like that, I wouldn't play. Right, <laughs> right. So, what? They, you know, you get to uh, 2010. You guys end up having, you know, arguably one of the best seasons, if not the best season, to that point in Oregon Duck program history. You end up going undefeated. You are unanimous number one in the AP poll for the first time ever. You have an outstanding season with 24 total touchdowns, and you go – to New York as a Heisman Trophy finalist. I mean, there's so many banner games that you had in uh, that 2010 season. You know, what do you remember from that year in particular? That was a great year for us. Yeah. I think everybody just played as one. Uh, it really starts with, you know, Coach Kelly, Darren. Uh, I think he's one of the best leaders. He's very, you know, underrated when you look at the quarterbacks uh, at the University of Oregon. He was probably one of the best leaders I've had. Uh, played really hard, played really smart, and, uh, I feel like he just, you know, he led us to that. How about your offensive line, too? Offensive line. You, oh, those guys. You, can, you can't never say enough about them. They, right. they really were starts in the trenches. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a favorite uh, old lineman that, that blocked for you? All of them. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> All right of them. There. That's a good answer. All right. Well, we're up against the clock. We'll go ahead and uh, take a break. We'll come right back, get a couple more questions about your Duck career, but also talk to you, LaMichael, about uh, your time in the NFL and uh, the thoughts on the big game tomorrow, man. Pats Rams. Let's do it. And you've got something going on tomorrow here at the Killer Burger, aren't, don't you? I do. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about that more on the other side, including maybe a jersey giveaway, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to more of that on the other side. This is the Big Game Preview with Juju Newby and LaMichael James on 1029 750 The Game. The Big Game is almost here. The Rams are going to the Super Bowl. For the they're going to their third straight Super Bowl. And we're talking about it. We're still here. We're still here. And make no mistake about it. Got a lot of respect for the Patriots, but we're going there to get this last check. With one of the best athletes in Oregon history. I got a new boy in a James, touchdown. What a run. Ladies and gentlemen, right down, right now, this young man is a Heisman 
me smoke. Amen. Now let me see you. This is the Big Game Preview with Judah Newby and LaMichael James. Live from the new Killer Burger in Cedar Hills on 1029 and 750. Now let me see you. The Game. All right, welcome back in, taking you to the top of the hour, live from the Killer Burger, Cedar Hills Crossing, owned and operated by LaMichael James, the Ducks legend. Uh, LaMichael, man, I hear Brent Musburger doing a radio highlight of you from that 2010 season on your way to New York as a Heisman Trophy finalist. I get a little shiver up my spine when I hear Uncle Brent do one of your games. You guys got to play in prime time so many times in the Chip Kelly era. I mean, I don't know if you were aware at the time, but for Duck fans back then, that was special, man. That really meant a lot to be focused on national TV week after week after week as, like, the number one team in the country. Were you aware of how much of an impact that you had in Eugene during your time there? I was not. <laughs> I really wasn't. You know, I just try to stay focused on, you know, what I can control every day and uh, not get too caught up in the hype. You know, that's what happens. Uh, you get too caught up in the hype, things go, you know, bad. You know, just live day to day. You know, because I think about where social media is now in 2019. I mean, it, it's even come a long way in the last decade. But, but what was social media like when you were playing? I mean, were you on Twitter? Were you on Facebook? Are we, were you, you know, seeing what people were saying about you when you were playing? I didn't have anything. Nothing? I had no Twitter. I had no Facebook. Nothing. No yeah. Instagram. Off the grid. Very off the grid. Was that an intentional decision? Oh, most definitely. Really? Most definitely. I didn't want to hear anything good or bad. How about your, uh, you know, who you were close with at the University of Oregon? You mentioned Kenyon Barner. And uh, do you still keep in touch with, with Kenyon now? I do. He was just in here like uh, two weeks ago. Is that right? Yeah. And, and where is he now? He's back in L.A. He, yeah. His last stop was in Carolina, but uh, he's doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were such an important part of that 2010 team that runs the table and goes to the BCS national title game. But first, let's talk about the lead-up to being a Heisman Trophy finalist. I mean, was, was that something that you had on your mind as you moved from October into November and you kept churning out big game after big game? Like, did you make it a goal of yours to get to New York or to win the Heisman Trophy that year? Nope. Just want to win games. That's the only thing I thought about was just winning. Not even a small part of you. Not even a small part. And that's the truth. <laughs> that being said, when you guys played Stanford – you have another Heisman Trophy finalist, ultimately, and Andrew Luck in that game. You guys go down and you beat Stanford in that football game, and you have a better game than Andrew Luck in that game, right? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't uh, – ultimately, you get to New York. Cam Newton's there. Did you get to meet Cam? I did. Definitely the best player in college football that year. He deserved it? Oh, most definitely. Yeah? Yeah. Do you get to watch a little bit of those – other college games, even while you're playing? Do you, do you have the TV on on Saturdays, checking out what other guys are doing? Yeah, especially, you know, when you're playing on the West Coast. A lot of those games start early around noon, and it's like 10 o'clock here, so we always got to catch a lot of those games. So you watch a little Cam at Auburn? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I still remember watching them play against LSU. Probably one of the best games I've seen. No question about it. His comeback in Tuscaloosa as well to beat uh, Alabama that year. Yeah, that one too. That's crazy. That was madness. And then you ultimately get ready and play in the BCS championship game down in Glendale, right, against Auburn that year? Yeah. And ultimately that's another, you know, frustrating memory in a lot of ways because of the loss 22-19 to and the Michael Dyer knee down on Eddie Pleasant. I mean, how often do you think about that game? He was down. He was down, right? 
in he was today, down. In today's world, he was down. He was down. And uh, But in, even in that game, you had a couple touchdowns. I was funny. I was looking at that game the other day. You had two touchdowns. Yeah. They were both receiving. Yeah. You didn't have a rushing score in that game, but you had two touchdowns through the air. I know. And that's, I had, that's a little different for you. I'm thinking maybe I had like 12 carries, too. I didn't have that many. Well, you were going up against Nick Fairley. Still needed more. <laughs> <laughs> Still needed more, right? Still needed more. You guys got down by a lot and then had to come back in the fourth quarter in that football game. You remember that? Very uh, vividly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just remember it being a good game and we're losing by three, so it's still sour to me. Yeah. How often do you think about it? As soon as someone brings it up. No, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I can see it in your eye right now. You're like, man, come yeah. on. Yeah, it got away. That one got away. That one got away, didn't it? But it's life. Yeah. 2011, you guys have another fantastic season. You end up uh, getting to another Rose Bowl that year, and at long last, you break through. And you're playing a Wisconsin team led by none other than Russell Wilson. And you end up winning that football game 45-38. You have a couple of touchdowns in that game. You go over 130 yards rushing in that game. Uh, D'Anthony Thomas had a big game there too. I remember very vividly the uniforms that you guys wore in that game and the uh, shiny silver helmets off the TV screen, man. I mean, those were bouncing. Yeah, most definitely. Everyone always talks about those helmets. I remember <laughs> seeing them for the first time. I was like, wow, they're pretty shiny. <laughs> After the 2009 experience of losing the Rose Bowl, how much of that, and the fact that you dislocated your shoulder in that 2009 Rose Bowl game, how much of that kind of was a motivating factor to performing well in 2011? Huge motivation. You know, um, I look at it, you know, game to game, though. So every week it was a motivation to me. You know, anytime I was blessed to put on the pads and be out there with my teammates, it was motivation for me. Yeah. And then how about the fact that you get to win? The game at the end after losing in 09, losing in 2010. Was it a nice, satisfying feeling that you actually get to finish the season with a W? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was most definitely big, you know, especially for my teammates, um, for the whole state of Oregon, you know, winning the Rose Bowl, you know, getting that monkey off our back. The process of deciding whether or not to come back or go to the NFL. Did you know early on your junior year that you were like, you know what? I think this is it. I just was a Heisman finalist. I'm coming back with my team one more year, and I'm going to leave for the NFL after that. Or how how soon in the process did you know that this was going to be at at uh, University of Oregon? You know, you kind of think about it a little bit. Um, you you ultimately know, you know, you want to do what's best, you know, to help your family and uh, take care of yourself and uh, go to the next level. But when it's all said and done, you know, when I finally decided it, I was like, I'm going to leave. I was like, no, I'm going to stay. You know, right after the Rose Bowl, I was like, I think I, I think I want to stay. You know, just being there with your brothers and, but hearing them telling, hey man, you know, you're gonna go to NFL. You know, you should leave. You know, and uh, the support I got from my teammates, uh, the coaches, everyone was like, you should go. So it kind of helped, you know, the transition. But ultimately, in my heart, I wanted to stay. <laughs> man, see, what, when you think about it now, what do you, do you think you, if you could do it again, would you go or would you stay? I probably still go. Yeah. Yeah. It was the right call, man. Yeah, it was the right call at the time. And then you go to the process. Did you end up going to the combine? I did. What was that experience like? It was a. It was like a. You know, you see it on TV, but then you actually live it. It's nothing like TV. You know, you just see the people running a forty or uh, vert. You know, height and weight, but so much goes into that process that you don't see. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, do pretty well? I did. I did actually pretty well. You know. Uh, People are probably running at 40 at like 6 o'clock in the morning, you what? know, after you have a meeting at 1 a.m., you know, 
People don't see all that stuff. Then you have a train inside the hotel. It's super weird. Man, that's that's really early, man. It's like a gauntlet. Is that how early you had to run? Oh, I think I warmed up at like six, and then you have to wait for another position group to finish. So then you you warm up, and then all of a sudden you go and run. You yeah. know, you can be waiting an hour or two before you actually do anything. Now, you know, as as the draft approaches, how good of an idea did you have in your mind of where you might go? Did you have a guess as to which teams liked you at that point? You have no idea where you're going to go. Like zero. I mean, people say they know, but you don't know until you, you hear your name call. What about the teams that said, hey, man, like we really like what you did at Oregon. It might be a little small, but we think you'd fit really well in our offense. How many of those teams came up to you and said that? A lot of them. All of them, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I remember talking to Norbert Turner, and he was telling me, hey, if you're here in the third, you know, we're going to take you. And I'm like, all right, I know I'm going to San Diego. That's right. All of a sudden, I get a call from San Francisco. <laughs> Man, where were you at the time of the draft? I was in Texarkana with my family, yeah. And you got the phone call? Who called you? Trent Balky. Trent Balky, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the uh, G- general manager general at the manager. time, right? Yep. Jed York, the owner of the 49ers, Balky running things, and – you had a Jim Harbaugh yep. there as your head coach. I did. How exciting was that when they gave you that phone call? It was pretty exciting. But then I instantly thought, how does a Oregon running back fit into a Stanford-type offense? Ooh, right. So I was wondering how that would work, too. Yeah. You know what's funny is that they ended up working it out really well. A lot of it had to do with the way Colin Kaepernick came in for Alex Smith, and they ran that pistol. Greg Roman was your offensive coordinator, right? Yeah. And But Jim was still calling plays. If I remember. I don't know who was calling plays. Yeah. I just ran them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they had that pistol. They had you. They had, you know, Frank Gore in yeah. the backfield. What was it like when you got drafted there and you started to get to know Frank Gore a little bit? Frank's the OG. Yeah, yeah definitely one of the best running backs that ever played this game. Is he pretty open in terms of, you know, caring for the young guys, teaching you some things about the game, maybe oh. life off the field as well? Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, instantly, day one, you know, he kind of took you under his wings and uh, showed you the ropes. He yeah. works harder than anybody. I've seen him in Kaepernick. Who was your closest friends when you were playing with the 49ers? Joe Staley, lineman. <laughs> Number 74, yep. big left tackle, yep. Cowboy Joe. Definitely Joe Staley. Man, full disclosure, I'm a Seahawks fan. And, uh, you know, we had some uh, Seahawks and 49ers had some real good battles there during the time that you were there, including – 2013, 2014 in the NFC uh, championship game as well. Um, what was your experience like when you played the Seahawks? All of them was like that. Yeah. I just remember we used to always go one and one. Yeah. We couldn't win there, and they couldn't win in the Bay. So <laughs> they were good games. They were very fun. I think that's, you know, when the NFC was, you know, where we were at was very loaded. You know, it was. It was very, <laughs> it's very hard to get out of that, uh, that conference. Because you still had uh, Wizen Hunt running his things in Arizona. Yeah. It, yeah. it was good. Yeah. You like Jim Harbaugh? Yeah. What did What did he teach you about the game that uh, no other coach did? Practice more. Really? That's all he wanted to talk about. If uh, he would say things like, "If they practice two hours, then we should practice three. You know, he was always about that. <laughs> Pushing the limits a little bit. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll go away. We'll come back. I'm going to ask you about what it's like to play in the Super Bowl because you yeah. did that. You I won did. an NFC championship. You helped the 49ers come back from being down 17 to nothing in Atlanta. It was your touchdown run that got San Francisco on the board at 17-7 and ultimately come back and win that NFC championship game. 
You've played in six playoff games. you played in a Super Bowl. I'll ask you about that. We'll get your pick for Super Bowl 53 coming up. Perfect. All right. It's Michael James. I'm Judah Newby. This is the Big Game Preview. We are live from Killer Burger in Cedar Hills Crossing on 1029 and 750 The Game. It's Portland's exclusive home of Westwood One's coverage of Super Bowl 53. It's our final segment of the Big Game Preview with LaMichael James. I'm Judah Newby, live from the Killer Burger in Cedar Hills Crossing. Uh, man, I'm getting kind of hungry, LaMike. You think I can get hooked up with something? Yeah, we'll hook you up, man. <laughs> I got you. The trick is I say it on the air, so you know now it's, now it's got to happen. That's very true, <laughs> but I got you. All right, Super Bowl 53, we'll get your pick coming up here in a moment. I wanted to ask you about the experience and the feeling of playing in the Super Bowl 2013. You guys win the NFC Championship, and uh, you go to in that NFC title game, and you play a big role in that one, man. You guys are down 17-0 out of the gate to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Tony Gonzalez on that team. Jacquez Rogers actually was playing for ATL then, too. Then you guys come back, and it starts with your touchdown run, 15-yard touchdown run to get you within 17-7. What do you remember from that play? Just run as fast as you can. If you get the edge, just keep running. So I just saw the edge, and I scored. <laughs> it's pretty simple, right? It was his own read? It was definitely his own read. He read it correctly. Uh, DN stayed, and I went. You mentioned Joe Staley was a, was a friend of yours, the left tackle on that San Francisco 49er team. What, what about Joe made him a good teammate? Very personable, yeah. Even when I was having bad days or whatever it may have been, he was always there, and uh, – we didn't really talk too much about football. We talked about, you know, everything, and he's really funny. He thought he was the fastest left tackle in, in the league, and <laughs> which he probably is. He always wanted to race, and uh, he really helped me through my times there. Patrick Willis, the Mike linebacker, that guy was a freak, man. Did you get to know Patrick a little bit? His locker was right next to mine. Is that right? And Bowman. They both were. Bowman, Patrick, and you. And Frank was on the other side, so I was stuck between all of them. Dude, those are some mean cats. Yeah, you should see a one-on-one uh, – Blocking drills with him. Oh, <laughs> I would not survive. I'm pretty sure that happens in my nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Bowman, uh, Brooks, Willis, and uh, Alden Smith, right? Alden. You guys were running a 3-4 yeah. in that defense. That, that's a nasty linebacking crew. It was nasty. Yeah. It, it really was. What was the two weeks like getting ready from that NFC title? You come back, beat Atlanta. You're getting ready in New Orleans, of all places, to face Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Former Duck, Haloti Nada, yeah. and that Baltimore Raven defense. Really, you just, at that time, you're, you know, you're a rookie. You're like, dang, the season's really long. You know, and now you have you know, five, six extra games, so you know, it got longer. Um, but playing the Super Bowl, you, know, you kind of think about that. You know, like, wow, you know, I'm actually going to be playing the Super Bowl. Then you see all the hype and all the fans and you know, going to a new city. And that was probably you know, one of the funnest times I've had, you know, minus, you know, Playing in uh, Rose Bowls and National Championships. I still remember that I watched that Super Bowl broadcast the other day. Yeah. And one of the first uh, camera perspectives from the broadcast is the camera from behind the goalpost. And you are in the end zone getting ready for the first kickoff from Justin Tucker to start that Super Bowl. And it pans around and it gets right up in your face. And you're like zoned in, man. You are like absolutely 110% focused. Were you nervous at all? I mean, you're going to be the first one to touch the football in a Super Bowl. No, not at all. 
you know, I think, you know, playing in the big games at Oregon really, you know, prepared me for that. You know, I played in – it seems no different than playing in the Rose Bowl or playing in the National Championship. So I was already, you know, seasoned for that. You know, I didn't really have any nerves. You know, I just go out there and play. You know, at the end of the day, it's football. It's another game where you get down by a lot. You have yeah. to come back and make it a game, right? Yeah. And early in the third quarter, Jacoby Jones has the 108-yard kick return touchdown. And then just like that, the power goes out. The stadium, half of the stadium loses power. I mean, it was freaky to watch on TV. I imagine it was bizarre to be a part of on the field. It was. It was like the longest delay ever, too. Yeah, 34 yeah. minutes. <laughs> it was. What do you do for 34 minutes? You know what? I can't remember what we were doing. Yeah. And I just remember that it was something uh, similar like that when we played Tennessee in college, and we had that long uh, thunderstorm delay. That's right. Yeah, so as I said, you know, Oregon prepared me for a lot in life. <laughs> One of your best college runs, I think, was that Tennessee touchdown that you had in Knoxville. Was that 60 some some yards? 72. 72 yards. Yeah. What's your favorite run that you had as a duck? Probably that one. Yeah. Yeah, because they uh, I remember playing that game and they were stuffing me, you know, all night, and they're really fast and big and strong. So I remember seeing all of them go right, and I was always curious if I could outrun them to the left. And I remember if I did not make this reverse and fill, Coach Kelly would have my head Monday. That's the whole thing that was going through my head. You know, if I do not make it back around this corner, this is going to bite me come Monday. And I did. You stayed in bounds, too. That was, yeah. That was the tough part. Oh, as long as I got around the corner, I was okay. <laughs> That's probably my favorite run that you had as an Oregon Duck as well. All right, man. Let's talk about this game. Let's get your prediction for this game, Super Bowl 53. Do we have any Rams fans in the house? Yes, we do. We're going to root for the Rams tomorrow. There was a Patriot fan in here earlier. I was I was a little bit worried about that. They was decked out too. Yeah, she, yeah, she was decked out. I think she left, you know, for her own safety, probably not. <laughs> but uh, we got Rams. We got Patriots. Who are you rooting for? First of all, are you rooting for anybody tomorrow? I'm rooting for the Rams. You are. I am. I like the Rams. Yeah. I like Brady too, though. Yeah. Put so put it this way: when people ask me about this, I say, I'll choose the Rams. But if you want to bet. I'm going to choose Brady. Exactly. Always. Yeah. And that seems to be the conversation every time. Like, I'm not going to root for New England. They've won enough. They're a great dynasty. But if you turn, you know, talk about making a prediction, putting your money on somebody, it's not a good feeling to put your money. Nobody got rich betting against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. No, not at all. I'll tell you that. Yeah. On paper, the Rams are clearly better. But right? at the end of the day, it's a football game, and you got to play the game. Who's going to be your favorite player to watch tomorrow? Because there's a lot of electric talent. you got your Bradys, obviously, but guys like Aaron Donald, Adam Sue, Dante Fowler, Brandon Cooks, right? Another guy from this area. Um, you got a lot. Troy Hill, former Duck for the L.A. Rams. Patrick Chung, former Duck, playing you. for the Patriots. I can tell you right now, Edelman. Julian Edelman. By far. He's a tough SOB. Yeah, he ain't the fastest. He ain't the quickest. He ain't the strongest, but he gets it done. All right. Final score prediction for you tomorrow is what? Final score, I'm going to have to say mm, 35-23 Brady. 35-23 Brady wins that football game. I, I got one person that, that likes that prediction. <laughs> so you got Pats minus 2.5. You say lay the points. Yeah. Take New England. I might be wrong on that, but I'm still taking New England. No, oh, man, I'm going to take New England as well. 31-28 to 28 is my prediction. What do you got going on in Killerburger tomorrow for the game? Oh, tomorrow, you know, we're just going to be here, and uh, I'm going to have a raffle. But it's a free raffle. <laughs> yeah. A free raffle? Yeah. There's, all you got to do is come in and buy a burger, and then we'll put your name in, and we're going to do a drawing for a free jersey. 
a free jersey. Signed a game, jersey. Signed, game-worn, yeah. Oregon yeah. Duck, yeah. LaMichael James jersey will be given away in a raffle right here tomorrow during Super Bowl 53, man. That's you got to say free raffle, too. Free raffle. So, yeah, but you have to be here. It's going on all day. You get here. That's right. You can buy a burger at 11 a.m. It still goes on. That's right. Hey, man, it's been a lot of fun. Good job. Yeah. There's a big game preview. He's LaMichael James. Just give him a hand, everybody. LaMichael James. And thanks for listening on 1029-750 The Game. We'll look forward to doing this again sometime. Live from the Killer Burgers, Cedar Hills, man. I I'm hungry. I'm, I'm smelling the wafts of the burgers. I'm going to go get some. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. This has been the Big Game Preview on 1029 and 750 The Game. Be sure to tune in to our Super Bowl coverage Sunday at 11 a.m. leading up to the 3.30 kickoff right here on Portland's exclusive home of Westwood One's coverage of Super Bowl 53, 1029 and 750 The Game.